Welcome to Grace Notes. Today we're going to take you back in time to one of the most exciting events in the history of the Christian Church. We'll meet some special people and hear more about what took place. The setting is Jerusalem, the time around 30 AD. Oh, look, here comes our reporter now. Thanks for tuning in. This is your WSON consultant, Mary Magdalene, reporting from Jerusalem, where there's quite a stir going on. Seems there's a crowd of God-fearing Jews from every nation gathered near where Jesus' disciples have been meeting. They've apparently been drawn here by a sudden sound, like a violent wind blowing from heaven. And not only that, these uneducated disciples are declaring the wonders of God to them, each in their own native language. This is utterly amazing. Let's see what their reactions are. Uh, Excuse me, could you tell me what you think of all this? Oh, I think they've had too much to drink. I don't know, though. What do you make of the fact that they're speaking our language with such power, too? Wait now. The disciples are about to make a statement. Looks like their spokesman Peter has taken the stand. Let's hear what he has to say. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I've never seen anything like this. The people appear to be totally stricken, cut to the heart. Listen to what they're hollering. Brothers, what shall we do? What should we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, they're coming in droves to accept his message. Looks like about 3,000 of them. They want to be baptized and, and join the disciples. Maybe we can get a personal interview with Peter once all this commotion dies down. In the meantime, though, let me give you a little history about Peter. 
Peter was one of three of Jesus' closest disciples. Because of this, he got to observe Jesus' dramatic transfiguration. He told me that the face of Jesus shone like the sun, and his clothes were as white as the light. God called from the cloud and said, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Oh, but Peter was so caught up with this, he almost missed its significance. Instead of just listening, Peter suggested that they put up three shelters, one each for Jesus and Moses and Elijah, who appeared with him. <laughs> That's impulsive Peter for you. I guess you could say Peter is the most prominent of all the disciples, probably because he's a natural spokesman, as you can tell from the speech we just heard. He's the one who first said that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But sometimes he spoke too much and got himself in trouble. Oh, I remember once when Jesus told his disciples that he must suffer many things and, and be rejected, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. Well, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus turned and rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Wow, <laughs> that must have been embarrassing for Peter. Here again, he missed the significance of what Jesus was saying. He wanted Jesus to avoid the pain. Oh, he didn't understand that the pain of the cross would bring salvation to the whole world. But Peter was a man of action. When Jesus appeared to the disciples in the boat at night, it was Peter alone who stepped out onto the water to meet Jesus. Oh, Peter may have been like a bull in a china shop, but at least he did something. Well, enough of my commentary. I just want to say that Peter is not the man he used to be. Maybe he can tell us what made the difference. Oh, oh, here he comes now. Hi, Peter. Could you tell us something about yourself, please? Well, I was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee until Jesus called me to be a fisher of men. Jesus changed my name from Simon to Peter, which means the rock. It's taken me a long time to live up that name. I was a stumbling block rather than a solid rock. I failed him in his darkest hour. I thought I was strong enough to handle everything, but I've learned differently. My faith was weak. I was a coward. I took my eyes off Jesus so many times. When I denied Jesus, it was because I was afraid of what the crowd would do to me. I felt useless then, but Jesus gave me a second chance to reaffirm my devotion to him. He understood my weaknesses. A whole lot more than I did. He's touched my life, given me a second chance, and with his strength, I'll serve him to the end, even die for him. If you see anything good in me, it's because of the touch of my master's nailed scarred hand. Well, it was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer felt it was hardly worth his while to waste much time on the but he held it up with a smile It sure ain't much, but it's all we got left I guess we ought to sell it too Now who'll start the bid for this old violin? Just one more and we'll be through And he cried out, one gift 
and as the sun it was settled low from the back of the crowd a gray-haired man he came forward and took up the bowl he wiped the dust from the old violin and he tightened up the streets then he played out a melody pure and sweet sweet as the angels sing and then the music stopped and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and What is my bid for this old violin? And he held it up with its bow. life was transformed by the master's touch his love for and association with christ molded him into a man of stability and courageous service for the lord because of his experiences this humbled man wrote one of my favorite verses first peter 5:6 humble yourselves therefore under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time he was indeed humbled through his failures and jesus's correction but he was honored to be lifted up and crucified on a cross for the cause of Christ for this 
he will receive a martyr's crown. Many of us can identify with Peter. We've tried and and we've failed. But Peter taught us a lesson that when you accept God's forgiveness, you can start over and be used again with even more effectiveness than before. If you're still suffering the sting of failure, turn it over to the Lord and accept His forgiveness and comfort. This is what Peter would tell you if he were here today. If you've been blessed by this program, please write and tell us at Sandback Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland 21047, or visit us at our website at www.gracenotesradio.com. Join us on our next program. Until then, let your grace notes be a song of praise.